Crying at work is a controversial professional topic. Is it good or bad? Does it matter if you do it privately or publicly? We're both people who show emotions pretty readily, so we're pulling back the curtain on that a little bit and talking about crying at the workplace. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, I hope everybody has enjoyed their holiday season. Everybody's back at it. Uh, but we're not done completely celebrating. We have a little bit of bubbly. That's true. And it's got some beautiful fruit in the bottom of the flute. You can't just save your bubbly for New Year's Eve only. You have to keep that going. I'm a big fan. I have not been a big fan. I usually relegate myself to one glass of champagne a year because it gives me such a headache. But I am trying new things with bubbles in it and finding it really delicious. So used sparingly, I really am liking it. <laughs> also, it's January. It's it's just time to get, get down to business. Get down to business, but also I'm kind of resisting what I deem is the longest short month ever, which is February. So, you know, I like buckling down, put my blinders on, and this is a good time of year to really dig in. So tell me about it, crying at work. This is a funny topic um, for our listeners because Karen and I can't plan an episode without bursting into tears. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So we decided we'd talk about that for a moment. Or even recording a podcast when one of us feels, you know, especially emotional. We're empathetic criers also. So, um, and then we end up laughing because one of us has cried. So really supportive in here, in the booth. Crying at work is one of those weird topics because cultural expectations really vary. Some people feel very strongly in one way and others feel entirely different. I'm a crier. How about you? I'm absolutely a crier. Yeah, I, I think I'm so passionate about the work I do. I'm very passionate about the people who spend time you know, at my office, whether that's our clients or my great team members, that I get so many feelings they squirt out of my eyes sometimes. <laughs> her feelings squirt out of her eyes. That's true. <laughs> Just like it wells up and it's like, bloop. The thing, the like one, right now. Like right now. There she goes. The thing we both have in common is we have clients who do really important work, and it's very hard to hear what they're doing or help to communicate their goals without feeling it. So I find my clients make me cry all the time because their work is really meaningful and I feel very honored to be able to help. It's a huge honor to work with the types of clients that we do. We do have overlap in some of our clients, but the types of work that both of our organizations do really does make a difference. So it is an honor for me to have a client trust us in making a difference in in whatever it is, the pursuit that they're after. The worst part for me is we, when we're presenting concepts, particularly to our nonprofit or our advocacy clients, I get really emotional and I'll be going through and showing them what we're going to make for them. And I'm like, and it's so beautiful. And the things you do are so great. So I really have to try to pull myself together in client presentations. My staff has learned to say, oh, don't worry, she does that. But you know, one of the clients we worked with last year They are advocates for helping children heal from sexual assault. And how can you work in something like that and not feel some sort of emotion, right? Absolutely. So, And for you, I know, I mean, you have to interview subjects who have very delicate things to talk about sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've worked with hundreds of children who are grieving the loss of somebody important to them in their lives. But to talk to people about death, to talk to people about overcoming great obstacles 
whether that's working with people with disabilities or people who have different kinds of obstacles in their life. It's a huge honor to be trusted with those types of stories. It's a huge honor to have our clients look at us in the eye and know that we can take them there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I would be made of stone if I didn't feel those um, stories. So crying with a client through interviews sometimes happens. Big, huge hugs with strangers after we've walked through a two-hour interview about something incredibly personal or intimate or challenging. But that's coming to the table without vulnerability and authenticity on my part means the person on the other side of the interview can't come to the interview with the same. And so I have to walk with them through whatever they need to go through to get there. So yes, this is all to say lots of crying at work. Lots of crying at work. You know, I think we're both fairly empathetic people and really, truly, we're very lucky to work for organizations that do good work. I think that's what makes us good at it is that we can feel and walk in those shoes with our clients and with their clients. And that's what helps us really make it work. But that means the mascara runs and the eyes are a little puffy and you um, do what you do and you get a little emotional about it. And then you have to turn around and be the boss the next minute. So it's a tricky thing. We cry all the time. We do cry all the time. And when it comes to emotions at work or being emotional at work, um, there's there's a lot of conversation professionally about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And it seems like not a lot of people feel very gray about this subject, right? That there's this crying at work means you're giving up your power versus crying at work is cathartic so you can get over it and move on, right? Where do you land in that continuum, I wonder. Well, as a boss, I have definitely cried out of frustration or out of being overwhelmed or out of fear. So I suppose I land in the category of, of course you cry at work because I have many times and I'm sure I will continue to do so. That said, it feels like the kind of thing you don't advertise. You know, talking about crying over the work you do with your clients is very different than crying because you are overwhelmed or frustrated And we have a perception that we should be strong enough to not do that. And I'm not strong enough to not cry at work, so why would I ever expect anyone else to be? I don't know. Well, I think I'm pretty good in crisis or breakdown. I I am the leader. I'm the one that can step up and say, okay, this is what's so. Something has absolutely gone off the rails. We can proceed with steps A, B, or C, have a quick conversation. We don't talk about blame or, you know, any of that stuff. We, we get through it and then we, you know, st- take a step back when, it, when we're through it to have a conversation about how to either prevent it or, or make different choices next time. Those aren't the types of situations that make me cry. For me, like you mentioned, it's, it is frustration or overwhelm or fear. And for fear, I think it's really um, the unknown or overwhelm. You know, I, I think it kind of falls into those buckets. So there were times during our rebranding that had me pretty emotional, not a ton, but just kind of like not knowing the outcome. I felt very much outside of my realm professionally. This isn't what I do. Am I making the right decisions? And then I think fear too. Um, I feel like I, I shoulder a lot of responsibility and sometimes I worry that I'm making the right decisions on behalf of my staff you know, or for the good of the whole, you know, am I financially walking down the right path? Am I offering the things that are important to offer as an employer? Or sometimes getting very emotional, putting all my eggs in one of the RFP baskets. Right. I don't tend to get that emotional about the big stuff because that's programmatic. 
are we offering adequate benefits? How does the retirement plan look? How does the healthcare plan look? Those sorts of things are fraught with decisions, but there's resources and there are, you know, you can Google anything and solve those kinds of problems. You can talk to your trusted advisors and solve those problems. I get frustrated in the little things where this small thing has unraveled and the next small thing is unraveled and there's an employee who is struggling and a client who is frustrated. And when they all come at me at once and I don't have a solution right now and there's 12 things coming at me that I don't have a solution for right now, I might lose my marbles then. But I usually hide in my office to do that. How about you? When I'm frustrated, I, I tend to temper it. I close my door. I take some deep breaths. And sometimes I have a good cry because it is the thing that has me move on. It has me then get rid of it and collect my thoughts. I do feel like there. I'm not going to apologize for crying at work. I'm not going to excuse it. For me, sometimes taking a moment to myself is just my way of collecting myself. And honestly, there are so many more unhealthy things that happen behind business doors. You know, nobody's shouting or yelling. Nobody's blaming or finger pointing or making people feel little. So I, I just don't think that there's anything unhealthy with taking a minute to yourself. And if that means crying, that's fine. If that means you have to take a quick walk around the block, that's fine too. For me, sometimes it's crying. I, I often get emotional when I receive acknowledgement, mm -hmm. which is, you know, doesn't happen every day, certainly. But when it's, when it's this really heartfelt acknowledgement, especially from a client, um, sometimes it's hard for me to keep my composure and poise, especially if it's something that we've partnered with that's pretty sensitive topic or something that we know that's going to really truly make a difference. But also when I'm giving acknowledgement, particularly to my team, I'm really, you know, I care very deeply for my team. I know um, what a huge choice it is to, to spend as much time as you do under somebody's roof. And I, um, I'm really, really privileged to have the team that I have. And when I give face-to-face -face acknowledgement, I get really emotional. And so I give it maybe less than I think of it, or I temper the way I give acknowledgement so that I don't have to get emotional about it. Oh, I can absolutely <laughs> see that. Which I'm doing right now. <laughs> I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because we're in the creative industry or we're leaders or strong people. I, I don't know what it is, but almost everything you do, you do a lot. And so when you appreciate your people, you you really appreciate them. When you're concerned about them, you're really concerned about them. And there feels like there should be a membrane or a wall that a boss shouldn't cross. So I get really worked up about my folks and making sure that they're okay and how are they feeling. And I know so-and-so is having this problem at home and I wonder if that's okay. And this intern is worried about studying for her final. I hope she's doing all right. But there's a limit to how much of that is acceptable or expected maybe in the workplace. So I find that I give away maybe 10 or 15% of that because if I gave it all away, I'd be a blubbering mess all the time. But what I'll say to that is I do think that emotions have a role in the workplace. So no different than you worrying about somebody's situation at home or an intern who has a big exam and that's where you know his or her head is. You know, I've cer certainly asked team members in a snowstorm to text me when they get home so I know that they're safe, so that I don't worry that they're in trouble or need help. So I think as a boss, you want to be compassionate with your employees. Well, when, when we were young, we wanted that compassion. When you are an employee, you know what you need. It's very hard to shut off your home life at nine o'clock in the morning and ignore it for the next eight or 10 hours 
And I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not very good at it. I wouldn't expect my employees to either. So you have to make room for emotion in the workplace. And that sometimes means crying. It sometimes means screaming with joy. It sometimes means unproductivity even. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's part of being a good employer, right? A good leader, I think. Yeah. And I think it's funny when I say things like I have an open door policy, I know in the back of my head all that that means. And it probably, that phrase probably doesn't say it enough that if somebody really needs to come in and say, these are the things that I'm frustrated about, or these are the things that I feel are holding me back, or this is what I wish I could be trusted with. Those are things I want people to come and say to me, because I'll tell you what, when you're an employee and you don't know what your boss is thinking, you're going to make something up to fill that space. And when you're an employer and your employees aren't coming to you and you're reading or smelling something is kind of off, you're just going to make something up that's in that hole. And it really requires that two-way communication to figure out what's going on if it's off. But even when things are good, you know, you have to be able to have space to show emotions in the workplace. Every single time a client gives us an acknowledgement to our team, but to me via email, or over the phone, I go back, I immediately hang up the phone or get off that email and I go and I share that because keeping it to myself would mean that I'm holding it as if I was the only one that contributed. So there's room even for celebration and high fives and some woohoos, you know, in the workplace when we've succeeded. You know, that brings up a good point. I feel as if when you think of the employer-employee relationship, people think of that in terms of the work and mentoring on a skill level or getting through the workday. But I would bet you and I are not alone. I'll bet many of our listeners who are in leadership positions think more holistically about what it means to be a leader or an employer and what that open door policy means. And I bet we're not good at articulating it. That means tell me all the details that might affect your day or tell me all the things that we can do here at the office that can make your day more effective or productive or happy Or tell me what's happening if your mother is ill and you need to change your hours. We can figure those kinds of things out. I think it it takes a little training for staff to understand that those are things they can open up up about. And I don't know if that's because culturally we have this perception that emotions and details like that don't belong in the workplace. Um, I would like to see them be a little bit more open and honest. But sometimes that's fraught and difficult as well. I do remember feeling that as an employee, especially very green in my career, I remember feeling like being fully honest about the things that were going on in my life would somehow communicate that I wasn't in control or I didn't know how to be, you know, grown up about certain situations. That if I asked certain questions, it would just make me look stupid Mm -hmm. as opposed to, hey, this is something everybody struggles with with in life. But I do I do think you're right. I think having those open door policies means if you're going to give permission to have those open-ended conversations, that means permission is granted also for being emotional. That's you know, true. do you think it's a male versus female thing? I know that your staff is prim- predominantly female, my staff is predominantly male. I perceive that Emotions manifest in very different ways between the two genders. The women that have worked for me might be more um, likely to tear up or cry or get frustrated and have to take a moment in the conference room and settle, whereas I've noticed that the men who work for me get quiet and introspective. I think those manifest the same frustrations, but they're just handled differently, which might be what our culture has done to men and women. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure the cultural answer on that, but I perceive men and women 
similarly to you in terms of who who's worked with me in the past. But at the same time, I've had plenty of closed door meetings with people that I've worked with, men that I've worked with who need that ear. They need the permission to be honest in a way where they're completely vulnerable. And I respect them just as much as I respect anybody who's able to just be honest. And if that's what honest looks like for them in their moment of feeling broken down or completely vulnerable, then that's totally fine. You know, I think for me, being a good employer or being a good leader, some of the lessons that I've learned really have come from other jobs that I've had where I've either been treated in a certain way or I've observed the treatment of others where I've kind of made that mental note like, that's what not to do in the future. You know what I mean? It's sure. I've had jobs in the past where I've gone home a lot and cried to, to my roommates that I've lived with at the time. And they're like, just remember, put that on the list. You'll never do that. And it's true. Shaming people or making them feel less than um, it just really has no room in relationships in general. The elephant in the room right now from a human resources standpoint is appropriate work behavior, professional work behavior. So there's a lot of things happening in, how do we put this? The end of 2017 was fraught with the Me Too movement and lots of people exploring what a healthy workplace looked like. And a lot of that came with the imbalance of power and people not feeling like, mostly women feeling like they weren't able to say no for fear of professional retribution. I think in small business, when we have very direct relationships with with our coworkers, I think that showing emotion or saying, do you need a hug? Or is it okay if I give you a hug? And asking that permission just to show that you are feeling compassionate about a circumstance. Or a celebration, asking for a hug for a celebration. Or, gosh, you're leaving on vacation for two weeks. Give me a hug. <laughs> you know, I think those situations... Um, I'm hoping that we don't lose that. I, I'm hoping that we don't continue to have a heightened HR concern that we're not able to show compassion in the workplace. I hope so, too. We had a former employee. He moved out of country a couple of years back, and he was in the States last month to visit his family for the um, holiday. And he popped by the office, and I was so excited to see him. I just jumped up and gave him a hug. I don't think I ever hugged him, but maybe twice the entire time he worked for me, because that wasn't what we were about. But it was so great to see him, and I was so thrilled that he stopped by to say hello with his very few days that he had to spend. And that was really meaningful. And how can you communicate that without giving somebody a hug? So do you think it's different um, hugging clients versus staff? There's a significant amount of hugging at the beginning and end of meetings in our office, and I, I don't know if that's because the work is also great and we're also happy, or just the people that we have are huggers, but as often as not, we are hugging goodbye instead of doing a handshake goodbye. Your workplace shouldn't make you feel bad about yourself. What you do on a daily basis shouldn't leave you feeling run down. And so if that's happening, I would love to hear from it, you know, hear hear from my staff if that's happening. I would encourage anybody who feels that way in the workplace to go find a new one because, <laughs> yes. you know, work for Karen. She's very empathetic and she's very kind. And I think you're just much more productive if you're honest and open and you form stronger bonds, you, you know, your team. And, you know, we've talked about it in, in a employer-employee relationship, but there's also the employee-to-employee relationship, fostering a place where work relationships and friendships can grow and where trust can grow so that you have, you know, your, your work bestie. You've got your person when you have something that's going wrong. And I love to see that when that's happening at my office because it means they have a healthy relationship and they can trust each other. And so 
emotion is so important in our line of business where we're trying to be creative and trying to evoke a response in whoever's seeing our final product. I don't think you can do that authentically if you're not living in a state of emotion as well. That said, I try to avoid crying on my keyboard on a daily basis. Right. It's not to say that we're blubbering idiots over here. Well, some days. <laughs> some days. <laughs> some days. I do think that there's a balance. And um, I think for me, it all comes down to that we're both people who are easily moved. And I think that that means our hearts are open. We're easily moved when something touches us, inspires us, um, makes us feel somebody else's human condition, which makes us good at what we do. But it also makes us good employers because we are moved and inspired by the people who work with us and, and the things that they pursue. We're pa- I'm, I'm passionate about the stuff that my employees like to take on. So um, I think that that's, I think it's all good. Do we cheers to that just because we're validating that we're doing it right? I think cheers to that. Crying at work is okay. Authenticity is what it's worth. And it's an okay thing to have in the workplace. If, if you're having a great day and you can say so, if you're having a terrible day and you can say so, if you're in the middle of a client meeting and you tear up because it feels really poignant or meaningful, I've never seen anyone appalled by that behavior. I've never seen anybody taken aback. In some ways, when you show some form of emotion, it really opens people up for a stronger connection. So why we should keep that out of the workplace would be something that I just don't, doesn't seem logical to me. So the long and short of it, work can be a pretty emotional place, and if you let it, that can be really healthy. Or you can just pop a cork and have some bubbly and drown your tears in bubbles. How about that? Hey, I think that all the things that we've talked about are good solutions, and um, and this, these bubbles haven't hurt. They sure haven't. Now, folks, if you want to tell us what you do when you feel like crying and you're bubbly, give us a shout on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Easy Underground. Or visit us on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. And subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review if you're enjoying our content. Thanks, everybody. In our next episode, we're talking about baggage. The thing about being a leader, sometimes it feels pretty lonely. Heavy decisions and indecision can weigh on you. I know it does me. Who do you turn to when your baggage is starting to feel heavy? 